All right, well, let's uh, just jump right into chapter 12. I know I said 13, but this is when we're going to pick up in chapter 12, verse 13, and tie it together, because uh, it's like most books, when you start in the middle of a book, which we're basically at, you got to kind of catch the context. John, we know, was on the island of Patmos in prison for his faith, and Jesus met him there. Jesus then invited him, took him on a phenomenal time travel, so to speak, uh, to see things that are to pass and to come. And what we're reading about tonight is what he had seen, and what he's seen is future for him and future for us. And so it's pretty fascinating to kind of catch that uh, awareness. This will take place, what we'll see tonight will take place uh, after the church, God's bride, after we are removed and brought up into heaven, then what's things going to be happening on earth is what we're going to be reading about uh, here tonight in that seven-year tribulation period, probably in the latter portion. But let's pick up in Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, referring to, you know, this dragon and this uh, imagery and those things in chapter 12. Now, when the dragon, which we've seen with Satan, saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was now the woman is Israel, the child is, is we know is Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for times a time, times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. So for three and a half years, you know, God is going to clearly put a, a, a greater protection over Israel. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who kept the commands of, Jesus, the commands of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out, up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horn ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his authority, his throne, and great authority. Verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded, if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and who worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. We see that as, of course, three and a half years. Verse 6, Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over all the tri every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Continuing in there in verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. 
And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So there's a lot in this passage that we've heard pieces and parts about, and even the world references to, and kind of not with an understanding, of course, but just with an awareness of parts of it. So back in verse 1, some of your translations will say, then he stood on the sand of the sea. Uh, It's got to do with uh, the various manuscripts and the the process of translating or, you know, taking from one language to another. Um, You know, some make a, a big significant point about that, but I don't see the, the matter. It's a minor thing, if you would, whichever translation you're using, whether it's I stood, because the, the focus shifts to the beast, um, not whether it was uh, the, uh, um, John standing there or whether it was, was the dragon referred to. So I mentioned that because, you know, you'll come across it if you dig in and study very much. And you may notice I, uh, I purposely avoid things that are not clear. Because I just don't do good with cloudy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I do, I, it's not that I ignore them. I love to study them. But I'm, I'm reluctant to be definitive where the Bible is ambiguous. It's not really clearly saying, oh, this is absolutely who it is. And so we'll see some of that as you, you'll have known what some people have done over the years in trying to define these particular figures or these, uh, the symbolism in, in this particular um, book. Let's go back to chapter 12, verse 3, just for a minute. Because when we read there in verse 1, it speaks of this beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. If we look back in chapter 12, in verse 3, there was this one we, we determined, we could see from our study last week, was the dragon was Satan. It says in verse 3 of chapter 12, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. So we see a consistency uh, in these, these creatures. We're actually going to see another one. Oh, we already read about it in, from verse 11 on. And their, their, their uh, appearance is very similar. Um, the seven heads, the ten horns representing power and authority. Uh, diadems is a word that in Greek you're speaking of the crown of authority. And many believe, as we looked at last week, that the description here in, in chapter 12.3 and in 13.1 and over in Daniel 7 and a couple other places, they, it speaks of this one world government that the Antichrist will establish and rule over. Um, good indication and a good 
reason and reasons to think through whether it would be the revived Roman Empire, which many believe they will lead a confederacy of 10 nations and other leaders, um, those that border the Mediterranean Sea and inward as well as where our scholars kind of draw to. But now back, as we see that parallel from Satan, and it's important to realize that you know, what we read about in chapter 12, you know, these beasts of 13 are under the reign or the rule of, of Satan. And, and he, they received their instruction and even their power, if you would, from him. So in verse 13, you know, it says of this beast, another beast, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 1, I saw a beast. The word there speaks of savage, and I'll give you some descriptive of the word, some more so than the definition. Uh, savage, wild, venomous, um, brutal, ferocious. So that's how we would describe observing and even, you know, the animation of these creatures. So it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting because the actual expression or the visit, you know, they, they're, God has given us the description of these bees and we see they're going to actually be in play on, on the earth. So it, it makes you kind of wonder kind of how things are going to unfold. You know, there's a lot of symbolism we see. Um, some believe that the, the beast is actually not a person, but rather more in description, you know, it has the outward appearance of um, what we see here. Others hold that this description is how God sees them. And so the person who is the Antichrist, who we know will be a person, as it's described, he's mortally wounded and recovers, will look like a, just a normal person. He won't have multiple heads and all this kind of stuff. Does that make sense? I mean, we would, you know, people would be going like, I think there's something different about that guy when he's got all this stuff going on. And when they get fooled and tricked, it won't be, they won't think that's anything demonic. So anyway, we see in verse 2, well, in verse 1, you know, he had these seven heads and ten horns, and, and it's on his horns, ten crowns, and the heads, on the heads, a blasphemous name, evil speaking, slander, reproach. You know, you know, there's a, been a trend where a particular four-letter word that begins with F is used way more in the last year than we would ever have seen it. And, and within the last three years, and you go back five years, and there's a point that those profane and terrible words that are used in our culture, they used to be kind of cloistered. They kept in your man group or your other spot. You know what I mean? You just didn't say it publicly. And now people drive around town with it. No big deal. And then, and you, we're going to see there's kind of a numbing process where people just get used to it. We even get used to it, so to speak, out of just repetition and seeing it. And can you imagine how it's going to be more and more, and especially when that's Satan's just tactic, is, is to take what is, is beautiful in the garage to language, and then he just distorts it just like he does everything else. We're, in a, we're a culture that's obsessed with sexuality. And somehow we've been told that as long as you can talk about it and share what you do, then that makes you more tolerant. And it's like, I don't want to hear about it, seriously, for the for starting point. But we've been told these things for so long and so frequently that there's a numbing process that you just, you know, you just get, you kind of get used to hearing. And it's going to get a lot worse. Satan mimics what God does. And so we see in this particular um, next verse where he's, he, he's blasphemous. He speaks evil things. And now in verse 2, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. So 
Um, Satan, we can see in many ways, as I already alluded to a couple, he, he mimics God by trying to copy what God has done. So this beast is described by some as the second person in Satan's counterfeit trinity. Because he counterfeits, he tries to dupe or copy, which he doesn't copy very well. He just, you know, takes what God created beautiful and wonderful and then just just distorts it. So this Antichrist that we're reading about here, um, the officer of Satan, as I think of him, is also called the man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one, all those are in Second Thessalonians chapter, chapter 3, and then again over in verse 8. And so these descriptions of, of these satanic beasts, because we've seen another one here in verse 11, um, are similar to what's recorded in the book of Daniel. And it's from these visions in Daniel and then here in Revelation that many believe that the beast with the seven heads and ten horns will be the world leader potentially even at the time of the rapture, but in all probability exalted or identified after the rapture of the church. He'll be one to come on the scene and seemingly solve problems. This, this picture that's painted here, this symbolism, you know, this, this grotesque, if literally head, it represents power and strength and world dominance. Um, from the symbolism, many believe that the Antichrist um, the beast will rise up out of a confederation of 10 European nations. And it makes sense. I mean, you, when you consider the dragon, you know, that's Satan. Um, we know from chapter 12, it's Satan who gives the power to his cohorts. We see it again here. We know a new kingdom will be set up. Let me read to you Daniel 7, uh, specifically verse 23. The fourth beast shall be four king, the fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different than all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. And so whether you want to call it a new world order, um, a great reset, a new kingdom, you know, that's what God has actually said is going to come into play in the last days, which is fascinating because we have seen that publicly promoted for over 25 years and aggressively promoted with new terms now. And I I want you to you know, make sure, you know, as you're thinking things through, realize we're living in times that even 100 years ago, people wouldn't even have thought it would, could unfold. We're living in a time when corporations and, and we could call media groups have more power and more money and more influence than governments. And they could actually can function and even operate outside of governmental restrictions. So there is very possible, I mean, there's, there can be a different type of um, world order that's coming into play that's not as, does that make sense? It's, it's not as governmental as we're, we're thinking and normally, you know, nationalities live within certain, you know, national guidelines. We would call ours the constitution and various, you know, paperwork that we have that keeps us in the right place and on paper anyway. So anyway, I mentioned that because I, I did dig in a lot, and I lean this way, that way. It could be this, it could be that, I could see this. But having listened to, you know, and studied in the United Nations, and just kind of going back a ways, my history, I go back into, you know, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission. I don't know if somebody here, like, want to go back 30 years with me or whatever. This stuff has been promoted pretty regularly. Well, I just want to say, I just know there's going to be this 
one world government. It's going to happen. Now, notice in verse 3, he said that one of his heads had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. You know, some believe that there was an assassination attempt um, that the Antichrist will recover from. And then the people will believe he has the power to come back from the dead. You know, Satan doesn't have the power to raise from the dead. He has the hand of deception, sleight of hand. He has, he can bring, um, you know, kind of air but not life if you want to see it that way. You know, he can't create new life. So, but anyway, that's going to have this appearance. So the people, remember, we're the churches in heaven believers who come to Christ prior to this person being on the scene or this part we're looking at this last half, um, they will, who, those who have uh, come to Christ, most of them will be killed for their faith. So they'll be in heaven. And the people left are the ones that, you know, uh, probably at this point uh, over 5 billion. If, I think we have 8 to 9 billion people on the planet is what people, I don't know who counted them, but projection. And so probably close to 5 billion people will have left the planet, either combined with the rapture and the death, and then those who come to faith during the tribulation period. So the world is a reset, and it's a lot of chaos, a lot of oddities on the planet for sure. Well, the people continue to defy God. We see that in verse 4. They worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So, you know, they're, they're defying God. They're denying God. They'll look elsewhere. They'll look anywhere to find someone to worship, even though they know this person's evil. They're seeing it if they're willing to look at it. But... They, they say this question, who is able to conquer the beast? You see that element of exalting and raising this creature up? Who's able to, to conquer the, the beast? Well, the one who conquered Satan. You know, the Bible tells us that, you know, Jesus disarmed the principalities. He made a public spectacle of them. I'll read it to you out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In what? When did he do that? On the cross, proven by the resurrection. He conquered death and hell. So interestingly enough, a couple thousand years go by, and, and the church is removed, and then this wrath of God is incrementally poured out, and people still will not consider the king of kings and lord of lords. They will continue to turn. To me, I, I find that so fascinating. Now, in verse 5, it says he, he, this beast was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for uh, three and a half years. And there's great persuasion, great deception. You think of it this way, because sometimes when we think of evil, we have this image of, you know, like red, you know, tail, pitchfork, horns, kind of Hollywood's rendering, so to speak. But what's happening here is, is believable evil because of the environment they in, they're in. It's been getting so much worse and worse. It's believable evil and persuasive pride. So if somebody comes up and mandate, you have to do this, do this, do this, most people have a kind of a natural like withdrawal from that. But this pride that's going to come at them at this time is persuasive 
It'll appeal to your desires. It'll appeal to their wants. And some of the most basic needs, we know later we're going to see, as we already read, that it'll, it'll be driven by the need for food, the need for, to fit in, the need to be economically active in whatever environment's been created. Moving on, we see in verse 6, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Who would source that? Well, his boss, Satan who was removed from heaven, was kicked out, who knows his day is coming. Even his minions, his demons, know that they will be, there'll, there'll be a time of judgment. They said to Jesus, are you casting us out before our time? In other words, is it, is it, is it now is the time? So Satan, his influence, you know, is upon this beast, and we'll see it even in the other one. So it's going to be, you know, it's hard to even grasp, but I, I primed it a little bit, as you heard, with what we're seeing in human vocabulary already, what we're seeing more and more about people that are opposed to God, people in authority. Basically, can you name me one um, mainstream, so to speak, social media platform that the, the corporation in any way recognizes or acknowledges God in a manner that would even give a hint of glory to him? I mean, obviously, um, 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 none of them. The users can, can get away with a little bit. But my point is, there's so much power. Corporations, major corporations, are doing certain things that are, you know, claim to be social hot topics. But it, the, the corporations, they have a, the, a, a hatred toward God and an arrogance and a pride that God doesn't exist. We're self-sufficient. We self-create, we self-manage, we take care of the planet, buy an electric car, and everything will be happy. You know, there's this weird mindset. And man, how's it going to be when, when it goes into this the last three and a half years and you see all these people that are still pressing, still pushing? Now in verse 7, let's continue. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. So this time in that three and a half year period, um, it's going to be terrible. You know, the, the last three and a half years of the tribulation are the most, will be the most terrible times that have ever been on the earth. Even Jesus said that. Like times that never been before ever. And we see here that the, the people, you know, that are living there, we'll, we'll, they'll be seeing what's going on, and it'll be worse than ever, and Satan will be more aggressive. We've seen already in the book of Revelation, he knows his, his time is short, so he's going to be aggressive, he's going to be effective uh, in, in what he does, and it'll appear that Satan's winning against all who would speak of God. You did catch that, right? It says that the, he was granted to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So there will be a time when, you know... It'll just be a wave of darkness will be moving through with nothing to slow it down. And people who come to Christ in the midst of that will probably die almost like within a very short period of coming to Christ. And which actually to their benefit, <laughs> honestly, you don't want to stick around actually. But anyway, so we have the 144,000 witnesses, the two um, you know, witnesses as well, and they're broadcasting people are coming to Christ but you know the, it seems like as sometimes we feel today that God's kind of got to up his game a little bit 
because people are, are like getting deceived and taken over and all these things. Nobody thinks that, right? That sometimes it appears that Satan's winning. I mean, we all, if you have any like deductive skills or observation skills, you, you're going to have to work through that dilemma. But the truth is, we're told ahead of time what's going to happen. So knowing what's going to happen, we can't say while it's happening, well, that shouldn't happen. Because we're told this is going to happen. There'll be a time when it seems the enemy is winning. God is allowing certain things to happen to some degree for those, those <laughs> respectfully, those thick skulled people that wouldn't get saved before the tribulation. You know, so now they're going through it and some come to Christ. Probably, possibly the greatest harvest you know, that the world has seen, quite honestly, percentage-wise and statistically. So, verse 9, though, he who has an ear, and if anyone has an ear, let him hear. That wasn't meant for the people that we just read about. You think about that. How, did that, how does that fit in the flow of this text? It's meant for you and for me. It's meant for those who would read before the rapture. It's meant for those who would read before all this is unfolding. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And if, basically it's this way. If, if, don't wait to get right with God. Don't wait to get right with God. You need to take care of it now. Get it done now before all this unfolds. Getting right with God obviously is knowing the person Jesus Christ and putting your faith and trust in him. Looking now as we continue in verse 10, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience, and the word there actually is perseverance, which would describe it, and the faith of the saints. So there will be a lot of death. Those who are alive in the last three and a half years and get saved will, will probably die, as I mentioned, in the hands of Satan. We're now up to verse 11. Another servant of Satan, a beast. Notice this element. I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So this beast is a servant of Satan, as I mentioned, but he's only slightly like a lamb. I, I do believe that Satan is constantly mocking in so many ways the Trinity, so many ways trying to draw people away to some other Christ, because that's what Antichrist speaks of, another Christ, or not the, the, not the real Christ. And so here he's drawing people away. Many believe that, that one beast will be more of a political leader, and then this beast will be more of a, of a religious leader, the false prophet, which makes sense when you see in our world today how people, masses can be moved by political position or religious position. And if you unite those two points of leadership, then you can draw a lot of people, a lot, you know, wherever you want to go. So moving, we see that now that uh, this, this beast exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Once again, referencing um, something that happened to him and, and he overcame it and that persuaded people that he had power over life. So he, uh, see, he was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Pretty impressive. Some of the Old Testament examples we know uh, would cause you to go, wow. Especially for the Jews um, that, were still, that are still, uh, would hear some of this. Verse 14, he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling them 
those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. So we see now that there's this unfolding. It, it, it's, it's an element of the abomination that brings desolation. I believe it's interesting to try to calculate and guesstimate when does this all unfold? You know, what the abomination that brings desolation is when the Antichrist who made this peace treaty with Israel goes into the rebuilt temple, which will be in Jerusalem, and then he, he desecrates it. He, he basically um, claims that he is God, and he sets up a point of, of worship, an, an idol, an image that, that people were supposed to bow down to, which is what we see here. And so I kind of have to think that, man, that's kind of what's going on in this passage. Just leading up to that, he, he deceives many. We see there, um, they're, they're supposed to, he makes an image, they're supposed to work or worship it. In verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So he animates it. There's this there's worship, this uh, idol or whatever it is, an imagery that what idol speaks of, um, will have some element of animation. Do, do you guys see, I, I didn't have time to dig into all of it, but there was this huge robot thing going around. I think it goes to different European cities, right? I mean, the thing like 200 feet tall, you guys know what I'm talking about? It's made in the form and the figure of a man, and it's animated. People are all excited about it. I'm like, it's a glorified robot. Somebody spent billions to, to move this thing around. But people are an, fascinated by it. There's something in us that when we see something that's fascinating, and, and I believe that Satan knows how to tweak that just right to where as, as people see this, and then it has some animation, some sense of life, then they, it, just, it, it instills or it kind of settles them to worship and treat it as if it's a God. Because if you think about it, the Bible kind of mocks idolatry pretty straight up. Uh, let me get this straight. You take some dirt and some wood, you get some heat, you bring in some metal, you mix the things together, you kind of find a way to get it to coagulate and stick, you form it into something, and then you call it your God. I mean, that's really what the Bible says about it. Because you form it with your hands, you pretend like it has power, and you bow down before it. And it continues here in the end even. Continues that God sees, I mean, allows Satan to, to go about this. Now remember, you know, God is still leaving the gospel door open. He didn't shut the door when he took the church out. He didn't just, you know, it's not like, I'm done with you guys. You, you're going to get what you get. The gospel door is still open. People are still coming to the mercy of God, even in the midst of his wrath. It's phenomenal to me, the, the, the means by which he makes this known. So the, the image seems to have life and power to kill. If you do not worship the image, then you die. Verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their forehead. So it's not going to be anarchy in, in the tribulation period. We can see some people are going to figure out how to profit off of it. Some people are going to go broke. You know, there's going to be some within a measure of authority in the human systems. And, and he says here, it doesn't matter who it is. They all have to have this mark on their hand or their forehead. And no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And we know now in the last 30 years, especially, many different things have been tried. Many digital approaches have been tried to, to you know started out one of the first one I heard about was the mark card 
the medical card for the, the military used for uh, medical, uh, personal medical records, which was, would have been back in the 80s, I think, somewhere around there. Um, and there's many others. And it's interesting because, once again, we're getting used to this technology, agreed? I mean, we're just so used to what you can do. We carry, you know, these little credit cards, and now they got this cool little rectangular shape on it, you know, for security, of course. And then all the other things we don't even have to get into because they're not public that have already been. I mean, your pets, some of your pets, they have a, an inject, a little chip in them so you don't lose Fido, you know. And if you do, you know where to find him as if you couldn't identify him on the side of the street. But nonetheless, you, you, you kind of get where, where it's happening. And I believe it's going to be even different than that. I, I think there's going to be some different things that are going to unfold, you know. Uh, verses 16 and 17, you know, we can see that he causes things to happen. What that speaks of, he gives instruction by deception. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And we're seeing right now how quickly and thoroughly people can be deceived since 2020. I'm just going to touch on it. I'm not even going to talk about the positions and opinions, but you can see if you've been following science and you've been awake for maybe six months, eight months, and you went through 2020, then you understand that there was a lot of deception in regards to COVID. There was a lot of deception in the politics at a higher level than we've ever seen. And people are passionate on both sides of those two issues. You can't both be right on these things. You know what I'm saying? There's just some things that are fact-based, and facts are the one that you base everything off of. And, but people have been, they've, they've been bought, in, they bought into to economics. You know, that you just print more money. It's no big deal. Like, oh, like Monopoly? You just go get another Monopoly game out and bust out the cash? Is that how? There's no consequences in Monopoly, right? You just bring in as much money as you want because nobody checks the bank. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, this is not rocket science, but people are passionate. They're thoroughly convinced, and they, some of them are very intelligent people. Not only do we have those things, COVID, politics, economics, health issues, um, uh, abortion, uh, environment, faith, you know, family, people are so deceived on ethics and morality that we're observing right now. And we have, this is, I mean, this, God is the restrainer. He hasn't removed himself yet. So, all right, I got to get to verse 18 because it's the 666 thing. So, does this tell us um, who the beast is? You know, because most all languages have a mathematical or a numerical value to the letters. And so the thought is you can calculate it because we're given a glimpse that we can. And so using various methods, people have determined that the Antichrist was, is the Pope. Uh, it was Martin Luther. It was Napoleon. It was Hitler. It was Mussolini. It was Stalin. Bring it up to date. It was Obama. It was Reagan. Whoever you stand, you, your enemy, if he's a leader, then that was certainly the Antichrist. And here's the numeric reason for that. And literally silly calculations that sound intelligent until you break them down. Um, I believe what it says here, you know, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. I believe the understanding will come during the tribulation period when the details are seen and those living at that time will be able to finish the equation. Simply because it's for 2,000 years, so many names have been inserted, there really hasn't been more clarity so I believe when you get 
those who were there in, uh, in, on earth at the time that this person is there, they'll, they'll, I just, that's my tilt just because I, I haven't seen anything else in Scripture to give me definitive calculations and definitive means by which we can measure it. So we see a lot in Scripture as we, you know, humanity gets nearer and nearer, things become clearer. You know, and now that we're closer to the, to the rapture, because we're clearly in the last days according to the book of Acts. And we're in the last of the last days according to Thessalonians and some other things. So as you get closer, you, it gets greater clarity. And I think there's still a few pieces within the equation that we need to see to be able to come up with the right answer. So that's kind of how I reconcile that there. So that will conclude our study in Revelation 12 for this evening. We're